Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss fentanyl deaths, Ebola vaccinations in 2021, and T-Mobile's breach. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 99 for the week of August 23rd. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is T62.2X1A, or toxic effect of other ingested, parentheses, parts of, plant, parentheses, plants, accidental, parentheses, unintentional, initial encounter. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of parentheses. There are a lot of qualifiers there. (laughs) So is a vegetable a plant? Yeah, hell yeah. Heck yeah. So, it looks like I you- guess it says toxic effect. Well, I guess if you're allergic to vegetables. Yeah, that would, be, that would this. be toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Toxic vegetables. Not to be Ingested. confused with toxic. Mm-hmm. Veg- ve- uh, what is it? <laughs> Not to be confused with toxic vegetarians. That's a different diagnosis code. Right, right, right. Sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> Go ahead. You got anything else you want to say to this? No, I don't have anything else. This is a shocking diagnosis code. I'm going to be honest. I'm trying, still trying to wrap my head around it. I'm just laughing at toxic vegetarians. Toxic Anyways, aren't they let's get into the news. First up, we have spike in fentanyl deaths. Health officials in Las Vegas are reporting a spike in deaths related to the powerful synthetic opioid fentanyl, including five overdoses in a 24-hour period about 10 days ago. The Southern Nevada Health District said that 92 fentanyl overdose deaths it has seen from January to May represented a 39% increase over the 66 deaths in the first five months of 2020. Since 2018, more than 400 Clark County residents have died from fentanyl, including 193 in 2020 and 72 in 2019. Dr. Furman Legun District Health Officer said the agency is offering naloxone, a fentanyl overdose reversal drug for free at the main public health center pharmacy at Decatur Boulevard in Las Vegas. The district called fentanyl highly potent and far stronger than morphine. It noted that it could be mixed with other illicit substances to look more like heroin, cocaine, or methamphetamine. It's commonly pressed into counterfeit pills and sold as Percocet, Xanax, or Oxycodone. So yeah. fentanyl's bad, you know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty rough. I saw this video the other day of like a cop that overdosed just by like inhaling oh my fentanyl on a person that they were like treating. Whoa. Yeah, like that's just intense. being that close to it. It's like that's nuts. I didn't think you were going that route. I thought you were gonna go. I just saw a video of a cop who overdosed on fentanyl because he was a user of fentanyl. So no. to say like it affects all throws of life, but I didn't expect that. That's that's much mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah, no, he was just helping somebody who had overdosed on fentanyl. And because he was so close to it, it Jeez. triggered like an overdose in him. It was nuts. Yeah, that's intense. Powerful that's stuff. Yeah. Um, the opioid epidemic, man. I don't know if it's ever going to end. It's like the 80s all over again. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's just so easy to get. And it's just it's sad. Like, it's a sad situation. It's like the 80s with crack and cocaine. But I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't know, is it worse or is it on the same thing? I think it's got to be like somewhat worse because it's so powerful and it just hides as so many other things. Yeah. 
And it's laced inside uh, other drugs. Yeah, I don't know. Affecting different demographics. That's for sure. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like fentanyl's maybe it's just fentanyl's maybe it's just stronger. I'm not sure. There should be some statistics really somewhere strong. out there. So yeah. you know, let us know if you hear any statistics. New apartments to help the homeless. People in Duluth, Minnesota, who are homeless and battling mental health issues now have a new supportive housing development as an option to improve their lives. It's called the Birchwood Apartments, located on Burning Tree Road in Duluth. There are 31 bedroom apartments that are mostly furnished. So far, roughly 100 people have already inquired to live there. The commissioner of Minnesota Housing says that having a secure place to live is a crucial first step to improving a person's life. Center City Housing is managing the building with supportive services to meet the needs of tenants, and the move-ins begin next week. So this isn't the first time that we've had a story like this on on this podcast. Oh, really? It seems like it's more frequently becoming a, a more common thing among other states where they're making some sort of development to help the homeless. That's, that's not nice. just like a homeless shelter, and it's yeah. also specific to mental health because if you're homeless, I imagine that you know yeah. it's a safe assumption to say that your mental health is also very low. Yeah. Um, so it's very encouraging to see something like this because it's like, Hey, you know, we need right. help and we're here to help you. Um, hopefully they execute it the right way. Yeah. Um, and fund it, continue to fund it. Cause otherwise it's not going to end up being a thing after a couple of years, but that's sweet. Right. These are very positive stories. This is a very positive story after that very negative story to start right. with. Like a nice, with the uh, bad news first. little, little palate cleanser to brighten up our days. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's not much else to be said about this one. It's a, it's a good story overall. Yeah, a little heartwarming. You know? Yeah, a little heartwarming. Next up, Ivory Coast begins Ebola vaccinations. Ivory Coast began vaccinating healthcare workers against Ebola in the commercial capital Abidjan on Monday after a case of the deadly virus was confirmed over the weekend. An 18-year-old woman tested positive last week after traveling by bus to Abidjan from neighboring Guinea. It is Ivory Coast's first confirmed case of Ebola in 25 years. About 200 healthcare workers, many from the hospital in Abidjan, where the women was admitted, received shots, and the health ministry said it was aiming to vaccinate 2,000 people by last Wednesday. The country has 5,000 doses available. The World Health Organization has said it is deeply concerned about the virus's presence in Abidjan, a densely populated city of more than 4 million. Ebola typically kills about half of those it infects, although vaccines and new treatments have proved highly effective in reducing fatality rates. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so vaccines. All so, everywhere you look, it's vaccines, yeah. vaccines, vaccines. We just got vaccines all over the world. <laughs> so the right. reason why, you know, the Ebola pandemic that happened in, I don't know, what was that, 2013? 20... Um. Yeah, was, uh, 2015. Was, 20, was it 2015? No, no, maybe I think it was 2013, 2014, somewhere probably. around there. Maybe You're it was right. We'll put, well, you know, 2013 to 2015. Let's just put it in. It was definitely within those three years. But the reason why it didn't become as big of a pandemic, like uh, as in comparison to COVID, was because Ebola has such intense symptoms that it's very obvious who has Ebola and who doesn't. As opposed to with COVID, you know, with the asymptomatics and, and people that don't necessarily get affected by it as deeply as some others, um, it's a lot harder to figure out who has it and who doesn't without doing a COVID test. Right. So that's why Ebola was put under control in a somewhat fast way um, yep. as opposed to COVID. So 
um, interesting to look at the two different types of uh, sicknesses and, and see how, how they kind of line up with each other and, and why one was so much more effective on a global scale in terms of a pandemic and as whereas the other one wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. With that, let's go to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Go ahead, Albert. Take it away. All right. T-Mobile breach affects millions. Tens of millions of current, former, or prospective T-Mobile customers' personal information has been leaked to hackers. The wireless carrier announced this last Tuesday. The breach affects as many as 7.8 postpaid subscribers, 850,000 prepaid customers, and just over 40 million past or prospective customers who have applied for credit with T-Mobile. While no customer financial information appears to have been exposed, the stolen personal information includes names, dates of birth, social security numbers, and driver's license numbers for a subset of current and former post-pay customers and prospective T-Mobile customers. T-Mobile said it will offer two years of free credit monitoring to affected customers. So once again, we've got a situation where a breach happens. T-Mobile seems to be uh, offering some free credit monitoring. I know we've seen that at the end of most of Mm -hmm. these stories. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. there's some sort of mess up here. We're going to give you some credit monitoring to make you feel better. Um, Still not great. Yeah, I mean, it's the crazy thing about this is, is usually it's just customers that are affected by breaches, but in this, it was current, former, and prospective customers, which is not a good look because that means, you know, if you ever had uh, T Mobile, I don't know what the date is, you know, like when, I don't know how long they have the old customer data. Right. But that would be terrible if it was like from the beginning of the internet, T-Mobile's been oh keeping track of all their customers just as a database. And and now that's available. I mean, obviously, there'd have to be some data cleansing that happens before that to be useful because right. it's from like the 90s. I can't imagine <laughs> very updated data. But um, it's just a huge amount of people, 7.8 million um, to be precise. That's a lot. Um, for that's postpaid lot. Prescriber, subscribers, which is ridiculous. It's a small country. Um, I'm curious as to when we'll see a, a cut. I don't know if this is required, and I don't think it is. I think they just do it to save face. Right. But I want to see a customer that said, or a, a company that says, we're giving our customers free credit monitoring for an undisclosed amount of time. So that way, it's a lot harder for someone to just wait. Yeah. Like, oh, control. so I've got two years now before I have to, I can go back. Yeah. In. It's like, all right, I'm going to set my clocks, you know, right. <laughs> in August 20th of uh, 2023, I'll be back and I'll be selling your data. But right. I don't know. Interesting. Except thousands of social security numbers have been compromised. Yikes. A data breach at the New York University has potentially exposed the personal information of nearly 47,000 individuals. The Research Foundation for the State of the University of New York announced it detected unauthorized access to its networks earlier this year. The incident was discovered on July 14th and reportedly involved social security numbers. The organization has pledged to provide eligible individuals a complimentary one-year credit monitoring and identity theft protection service. To help prevent something like this from happening again, the Research Foundation is taking steps to further enhance its security of its network. These steps include the implementation of multi-factor authentication and deploying an endpoint detection and response tool throughout its network. So there we go. Credit monitoring yeah. again. We're Another two for two. Credit monitoring. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're two, two for so two. far. Yeah. 
pretty, uh, you know, so far they've got the, the good responses in place. Sure. Um, the only thing that I think that New York University is missing here in, in their uh, response, I mean, they've got the two-factor authentication, which, you know, maybe it's more than two-factor. Maybe it's, you know, three or whatever. It just says multi, so who knows? Um, and then you got the endpoint detection, which is cool. Um, that pretty much just says, hey, something's happening on your network. You should check it out. And then the person on the IT right. department goes, all right, I'm going to check it out. And that's pretty much what that is. <laughs> but what they're missing is training. So the biggest risk, Albert, to any health or to any, not just healthcare, to any organization ever is their workforce. They're the biggest threat mm -hmm. from a cybersecurity perspective. So if they're not educated on you know, what to look out for on a day-to-day -day basis that could be a threat to their cybersecurity. Um, they're never going to really know uh, what to do. Um, they need to be trained on this stuff. They need to make sure that, you know, they can trust their organ their healthcare or their employees. I don't know why I keep saying healthcare, but their employees in general, um, that they're doing the right thing. And there's no way to know that they're doing the right thing without having training in place that teaches them what is the right thing on a consistent basis. So something to keep in mind, University of New York, uh, but you know, overall, I'll give you a, I'll give you a B plus on your response. Sure. Yeah. B plus. That, that seems fair. Yeah. B plus. Bad that it happened, but thanks for taking care of it or at least putting some steps in place that mm -hmm. will prevent it from happening in the future, which everybody should do. All right. Agreed. Cyber attack impacting Memorial health systems, patient services. Memorial Health System suffered a cyber attack, which is causing cancellations of services for patients and emergency room diversions. Memorial Health System announced that it suffered an information technology security incident in the early morning hours of August 15, 2021, according to a statement published on its website. As a result, the organization suspended user access to information technology applications related to their operations. All urgent surgical cases for Monday, August 16th were canceled, and patients were notified of the changes. Memorial Health also canceled all radiology exams, but primary care appointments were still being held. The organization states that the cyber attack did not involve employee or patient personal or financial information. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, so this was very recent. Early morning, morning hours of August 15th. At the time of recording, it's August 20th. Spoiler alert, we don't record on Monday when this is released. I'm sorry for all of our loyal listeners. Wow. <laughs> you really pulled we are curtain. Frauds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but so this it seems like because there's so much to learn still from this that Memorial Health had to say something they don't really know what it is, so they just called it an information technology security incident. Um, right, so, incident is always such a like catch-all yeah. for like, <laughs> it's like problems. Something happened. We got problems. Uh, incident. You know, it's causing cancellations of services of patients and emergency room diversions. I don't know what the diversions are. Like, yeah. is it like I, moving from one emergency room to the next? Like, I just like you being diverted to another. I, to another it room. sounds like that at first, but I think it's bigger than that. I think it means that they're not even taking in emergency room patients yeah. right now, which that's, is big. Yeah, so, based off of this, and I'm going to put on my detective hat because mm. the only thing that usually causes cancellations and emergency room diversions usually is a ransomware attack mm. because. 
it blocks their systems so they can't even you know do any appointments or anything like that they can't use any of their you know internet of things devices in emergency rooms mm-hmm. so they're just they have no choice but to not take in new emergency patients and they have to cancel their appointments because they can't keep track of their uh, electronic health record system and access that and take notes and stuff for appointments so yeah interesting um, I have a very good feeling that that's what this is. Hopefully not, yep. because that's bad. Um, but if it is, you know, just goes back to what I talk about every single episode, Albert, which is ransomware. Ransomware. Feels like every single episode, we have a ransomware attack, and that's yeah. not by design. We totally don't look out for ransomware attacks. They just happen right. that often. They're just <laughs> they're just here. It's twenty twenty one, man. It's yeah, the, they're here. It's warfare of the future. <laughs> warfare of the future. <laughs> yeah, to attack people's ability to earn money and that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news i'm at money penny and i'm albert battistelli and we'll see you next week thank you for listening to the bandage podcast produced by e-tactics